0: It's kind of interesting that after a time of temptation, Jesus comes back full of the Spirit. It is uh, an opportunity, every temptation that we have to deal with gives us an opportunity to either fail at it, obviously, or gain victory over it. In other words, temptations are going to happen, Uh, you cannot stop them, sometimes they're very personal, like Jesus' temptation by Satan, and there is that intimacy of that personalness of you know, throw yourself off this uh, temple mound and off the wall and let's see what God does, those kind of personal things. And sometimes they're just general, but they come into our world. What you do with them determines whether or not you are going to experience the the outpouring of the Spirit and the the power that comes from gaining victory over them, or let the temptation cause you to be undermined and succumb to the pressures that are there. Uh, And so, you begin to understand in this context, uh, we cannot stop the temptations, but we can learn that in victory over the temptation, we begin to receive other blessings and other things beyond what we can possibly see in just that moment. Uh, Jesus comes after this point and he comes back to Nazareth and he begins to do what we would call the routine, the typical things. goes to the synagogue, people are being attracted to him, they're seeing things, his reputation is preceding him. And he gives us this little insight. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I uh, took my daughter out, my one daughter, out for uh, supper last night. We did what I call daddy shopping for Christmas. That means I buy her clothes, but I never pick anything out. I just go and pay for it. And I say I like that or I don't like that, but that's uh, the way we do it. And that didn't make her, uh, that was great. But I made her cry last night. And uh, uh, not that I'm bragging about that in any way, but we were sitting down and we were having supper and uh, the Lord had been moving in my heart to ask forgiveness from her for several specific things that I'd done and said and been. And um, and so the it was really kind of interesting the way it happened because I knew that's what God wanted me to do, but I was not trying to force her or anything. And finally, in just this perfect point in the conversation, I explained to her that I would really like to ask you for forgiveness. And I told her specifically what it was for. And as I was talking to her, I said, you know, but this has bothered me a long time and, and I wanted to say this to you and I wanted to make sure you understood that. And tears are just welling up inside of her eyes. And, um, um you, you begin to think, well, what, you, know, you don't know for sure what you're going to hear. Uh, but I, I kind of gave her all the things that God had made my heart very sensitive to and very alert to. Some things that, you know, you probably go, maybe it wasn't that big a deal from one perspective, another perspective. In her world, it was huge. And, um, and she said, Dad, you don't know what that means to me. You have no idea what that means to me. Because that's been something in my life that has always stood out as a very painful time in our relationship. And, uh, and we had one of those, kind of an emptying moment. And it was uh, just healing. And the thing that you know, struck me, first of all, is that God had been asking me to do that a, a while ago. And you kind of go, I know, Lord, I have to figure out a way. and looking for the time and everything else like that. So the first thing was, you know, i got to learn to be more obedient more quickly. And the second thing was, is that in the moment of humbling oneself, uh, in the moment of dealing with oneself honestly, and the things that you're very conscious of, uh, you know, the successes or failures of your parenting or relationships or anything else like that, you're being given this wonderful opportunity to experience the healing power of God in your life. And... Uh, what will all come of it, I mean, that all remains to be seen, but I think uh, based upon the conversation last night and, and the relationship and the hugs and everything else, uh, we, we moved immensely closer in our relationship again, which I think is really always a blessing as a father or a parent, and maybe you can relate to that, maybe you can't. But the thing that struck me is, as I tie it together with what we're looking at tonight, uh, God has come, to set people free. And the first person he has to set you free from is yourself. In other words, when Christ comes into the world, and he comes to minister, he's not looking at, you know, what I had to say to my daughter, but instead he's looking at what had to take place in me in order to get to that point, in order to say those words with both sincerity and truthfulness, and with integrity... And with the right humility, that's real and sincere. And the person that he was setting me free from was my own wickedness, my own inconsistency, my own failure as all the things that I've been over the years of my life. And so you begin to understand when God is ministering through Christ here in the power of these verses, he's not ministering in a sense of trying to, you know, uh, again, hurt anyone, but he's ministering and trying to release us trying to break us free, trying to give to us what he has been trying to pour into our lives always, which is an integrity and a purity and an innocence and, and all kinds of things that God is attempting to give to us. And only once in a while do we get to taste what this really means. And so when you read this first phrase, the first phrase where the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, you have to understand, You have to be, and I have to be alert enough to even recognize that. When the Spirit begins to work in our lives, He accomplishes certain purposes. The Spirit begins to expose. The Spirit begins to touch. The Spirit begins to unravel. The Spirit begins to uncover. The Spirit begins to, you know, expose to light and healing the power of God, areas of my heart or your heart that He's going to touch. The Spirit is not come into the world to just let us sit there and remain in the same, you know, stupid repetitive behaviors we get ourselves into. But he's come to open us up to do things in our lives that must be taking place in order for all the rest of the things that he wants to accomplish to take place. And so the challenge here is, uh, as you're reading this in Isaiah, is obviously Jesus is fulfilling this prophecy uh, here in Luke as he says that. But also the awareness that this is indeed what Christ wants to do in us. So that we become the recipients of what this verse really says. And so you look at the next one. It says, he has anointed me. The reference of anointed there means that Christ is the one, the promised one. The anointing is that smearing of oil, that marking him out. Christ was indeed that individual. And yet at the same time, I look at you and say, do you understand that the anointing that was upon Christ has been given to you? The same anointing of the Spirit that poured itself into Christ is offered to God's people. That anointing of the Spirit is designed to accomplish certain things in our lives and carry out ministries and healing and all the things that he wants us to accomplish. And then it says, He has anointed me, and it says to preach. And the concept there of uh, being uh, sent to preach, this kind of idea, this announcing, I am going to proclaim it. And the thing about proclamation and proclamation ministry is you have to understand you're calling it out over people so that they begin to hear that there is freedom for themselves. See, announcing it is that, that I announce it to you, you are free. Now I can sit in a church service, and I could sit there and have the Spirit of God proclaim over me, you're free, and I believe it with my heart, but there's that secondary work that is beginning to take place in the Spirit uh, in my life. You understand, it isn't that I've been set free so I can go, oh, thank God I've been set free, thank God that I've dealt with this particular area of my life, and I really am sorry for it, the freedom actually comes now in the freedom to begin to act the way God needs me to act so that ministry can take place in other people's lives, so that healing can be multiplied, so that this work that God wants to do, not only in my heart and for my heart, but he can begin to manifest it and show it out in other people's lives around me. Because inevitably, you cannot sit here tonight and not realize there are people that you have offended, Words that you should probably be asking for forgiveness for. Thoughts, behaviors, and attitudes that have trickled out between your lips and and, in words and actions and behaviors that have uh, caused people, in some cases, great hurt. Sometimes we're very publicly aggressive. Sometimes we're passively aggressive. And we go, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't understand. And you know how easy it is for one person or another to be manipulated by someone who simply becomes cold or distant or aloof. Or never quite lets you know how really angry they are. They just always are dragging their feet. And so you're asking for something and they always feel like they're dragging their feet and you have to carry them. And there's all kinds of behaviors inside of us that I think probably every one of us have exhibited at one time or another. Sometimes it's something as simple as a cruel word. You spoke to your very sister or brother. Sometimes you go, well, I was just an immature kid. That doesn't take the pain of what you said to them away. It doesn't take the necessity of repeating an apology. It doesn't uh, take away the necessity of humility being produced in your heart so that the healing and the freedom that God has given to you can be poured out through you into somebody else's life. And so the process that God has us in, this proclamation, he proclaims it out over the people, and he begins to shout, all right, preach the good news, proclaim the good news to those who are poor. To those who can't receive it, to those who are uh, without wealth or without any prestige, honor, or name, he has sent me to proclaim freedom, and the thing, uh, the uh, uh, the freedom to to function, to freedom to do it right. You're not only being set free; you're, the freedom is not just you're set free. You're being given the freedom to do it correctly. You see what I did last night when I sat with my daughter and said I am sorry that I wasn't the father I needed to be, that was the freedom of God giving me the ability to do that thing that was right and good and true. That's the freedom he gives me. That's the freedom he is pouring out. I've been sent to give this kind of freedom to people so you can be set free from the apprehension and the fear and the uncertainty and all those emotions that kind of block you that sees you up, that keep you from going that next step and completing what God is trying to get completed in us. And he says, no, you don't understand. You've been sent free so that you begin to understand that you are, are free to do these things, to do the things I'm asking you to do, to be set free to function as I've always wanted you to function. And it doesn't mean I'm, I'm going to be perfect. It means that I'm going to start functioning in the power of the Spirit. I'm going to start relating to people, not just in the fact that I've been forgiven, you've got to forgive me now, but I've been forgiven, would you please forgive me? I've been forgiven, would you please receive the truth that I'm going to give to you, that proclamation that God has set you free also. See, the miracle is that when he came to set us free, he didn't just set us free to take our sins away, he set us free so that we would no longer be enslaved to the behaviors that destroy and infect our lives and attitudes. One of the things we have to be so careful of is you ever use those words and you almost put yourself under a curse. That's the way I've always been. That's the way I was born. I've always had this problem. And you put yourself, you know me. You know what I'm like. And you put yourself under your own curse. And what you've done is you've enslaved yourself by your own words. Your own vocabulary is holding you down and you've locked yourself in a prison door with your own vocabulary words. And God is coming down and He's tearing these things open. He's breaking them apart because He says, I gotta come down and I gotta set the prisoner free. And the prisoner is not someone who's just encapsulated by Satan, but He's encapsulated by His own willingness to not repent, His own stubbornness to not say, I'm sorry his own unwillingness to allow God to change him. And so you sit there in your own prison, wondering why this is the way it's going to be, or this is about as good as it's ever going to get. And you begin to understand what you're doing is you're counteracting the proclamation of God over you, of freedom, and you're replacing it instead with the imprisonment of your own weakness. And I look at you and I say, I know what that feels like, because you can sit there with your own child going, Certainly this can't be that big of a deal. Certainly this wasn't that much. Certainly this and all the other rationalizations, right? Then those bars are all around me. Those rationalizations have got me imprisoned. prison. Those excuses have got me held in place. And Christ goes, I am going to break those things apart. You are going to discover that this is not what I've called you to be. Those bars have no authority over you unless you insist on giving them authority over you. And so the challenge that's being presented here by Christ as we start to announce this, okay, he sent me to proclaim, to herald, to cry out, you know, to shout it out, okay, excuse me, release for the captives, those who are then the prisoners of war, this battle, and he goes, uh, freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. Now think of the second part. What blindness You know, don't always look at blindness as coming from the outside. This is blindness too, right? I can be blinded by my own stubbornness. I can be blinded by my own fear. I can be blinded by my own set of expectations. I can be blinded by whatever I think may or may not happen in a particular event. And it goes, I have come to break those bars and take those things, whatever it is blinding you away from your eyes. And so when you begin to understand you start to get comfortable sometimes in your prisons. You start to accept them. You start to believe that it's okay. And what happened last night is I watched my daughter get released with a dump of emotion and feeling and everything that I didn't even know she had. And it was a miracle in the the making, right, in that particular point. And I'm going, do you understand what God had to do in my heart, how many bars he had to break down, how many excuses he had to tear apart, How many things he had to set aside so that finally in that moment of integrity and honesty and everything else, I could walk into that path without anything else bringing up and and, and stirring up in my heart. So that proclamation of freedom and recovery are the restoration of sight. Do you begin to see what I want for you? Do you begin to see what I'm doing in your life? You see, that restoration means I had sight, I can lose it. I had it and I lose it. You know, my life and my walk with God is not this flawless, you know, perfect path that you walk down. It kind of wanders from one side to the other, and then it's right on, and then you dissipate a little bit, and you get sidetracked by something that's distracting you or a particular anger, a fear, whatever it is. And that's the walk, I suspect, for most Christians. It's kind of this wandering back and forth or up and down. It isn't this flawless walk. You can't be assured that just because you're sitting in here tonight... That your faith is real, and you can't be assured that it will be that that strong or weak, or excuse me, stronger, excuse me, in a in another month or year. You've got to keep growing in the things that God is doing. And to do that, you have to be open to what God is doing. And in order to do that, you have to realize He is going to continue to break those bars down and move you into another direction. (coughs) When He moves you, it causes uneasiness. There is a discomfort. There is an unusualness about it because you're going to walk into areas that you're not certain of. And you're going to be walking in a way that you can't anticipate the outcome. The only thing you can be assured of is God is going with you into the situation. And that's what you begin to do. I had no idea what the outcome would be, but I look back on it and say to myself, why didn't I listen to God a lot sooner? And so that's the process that he begins to have us in. Excuse me. Got myself a little cold, and just <clears throat> all right. The next one uh, to allow those uh, to depart. The, the the Greek is kind of fun here. Let me read it to you. It goes: Re- recovery of sight to the blind, release to the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The phrasing actually in the Greek goes: to allow them to depart. Those that are crushed or broken and shatter, in in, uh, in shattered in freedom. To allow them to depart totally free. (coughs) Thanks. Appreciate it. (coughs) If you catch the flavor of that, it goes... I'll tell you in a personal way. When I left my daughter, I departed in absolute freedom. I was set free. I was set free from this thing in my heart. And I set her heart free. In the moment of obedience to God, that became the product. That became the result. You see? And so you begin to understand, Christ has come into the world to set me free from the limitations of myself so that I can depart and live in a new layer of freedom. And the freedom that we're talking about is the freedom from myself, the freedom from my limitations, the freedom from all the junk that continues to bind me. And so what Christ is offering here is, uh, as it finishes off here, the year of the, of the Lord is probably a reference to the year of Jubilee. <coughs> and the year of Jubilee, in Jewish tradition, happened every 50th year, uh, They would have a Sabbath year every seventh year, and after seven Sabbath years, uh, they would have the year of Jubilee. And in the year of Jubilee, prisoners were set free. All the land that was yours by birth was restored to you and your family, and everyone kind of started over again. It was a brand new moment, and historically, it, it created a totally different value system of how to look at stuff on planet Earth. And so, in that year of jubilee, that message of what God was doing in Israel, and then what the message is here <clears throat> in Isaiah, is really this idea that you get to start over, you get to have your ground reclaimed, you get to receive things that God has always wanted to bring back to you. <clears throat> Looks like we're going to have a shorter sermon. The idea of car- and everyone goes good. I know. Uh, Uh, the, The idea, of course, is that what God is doing here in the proclamation of the year of Jubilee, he says, My son has come to accomplish something for us that we cannot taste or experience apart from him. And what he wants to do is set you free to be the man and the person, the woman you need to be. And in doing so, he restores, he brings back to you what you've given away. So if you can imagine that you, you, you do stupid things and you sell off your property and you go into debt. And finally you're sold into slavery and you're working for somebody in slavery year after year after year. Then the year of Jubilee comes. And the year of Jubilee sets you free. You get to walk out of your slavery. Your land is restored to you. You are given back the opportunity to begin fresh and new. And so what he's trying to communicate is this opportunity that we're given in God. The idea that God is more than able to bring back. <clears throat> one of the things I have to do when I'm ministering to kids in high school who have given themselves sexually to somebody else, and uh, I say, all right, and I begin ministering to them, and I say, now you've got to understand, when you start and you join with somebody else, you become one flesh with them. And when you break that off, you leave part of yourself with that other person. And you leave part of him or you take part of him or her with you. And so what you're asking and what you need to understand is that what God is going to do is he's going to restore. He's going to bring back what you've given away. He's going to take back what you surrendered by either stupidity, ignorance, fear, or whatever it was. It doesn't make any difference. You're calling it back. You're asking for that part of your life back. And you're bringing it back into your own world And God is restoring it. That's what the year of Jubilee means. I will give you back what has always been yours. I will give you a way to walk away in freedom. I'm going to set you free from these compromises in your life. And I'm going to give back to you. That's the power of this text. So that you begin to recognize. You go, but I've sold myself in slavery. I have sold my body. I have done these wicked things. And God says, I have come to pull it all back. I am the man of the Jubilee. I am the one who's going to bring it back and I'm going to give it back to you in its fullness. And so when you're working with kids like that and you begin praying over them and you begin to say, Lord God, I'm going to ask that you would take whatever was given away and bring it back to this child. I'm going to ask whatever part of that boy or that girl is in this kid would be given back to them so that they can be restored and become the people they need to be. And Lord, we pray for a healing The jubilee experience, that moving of this that was not mine, giving it back, and what was not theirs, bringing it back to me, so that I can begin to taste again the freedom that is mine. So we begin to look at that last phrase, to allow us to depart those who have been crushed and broken in freedom. You understand? I am not just simply leaving you crushed and broken. I'm going to take those who are crushed and broken and give back to them a taste of freedom of life, I'm going to allow you to live and re- be restored in this whole concept of what God is doing. And so when God is working in our lives, He's doing far more than we can possibly comprehend. And He has a desire to accomplish great things. Remember last Wednesday, I started talking about that we're like these trees with cement butted up tight against us, and that we have to be, you know, busting that that concrete, and we have to begin uh, nailing that in other people's lives around us. We have to begin acting on that. And then I begin to understand, we're not just concrete busters, we are part of the ministry of restoration. We are able to bring back, through the power of God and the work of the Holy Spirit, what people have given away. You actually have been given this power, through Christ, to give back to these children, to these people, what life, circumstance, compromise, and immorality has taken from them. And so what God is offering you is restored sight, ability to hear, respond, and react the way we're supposed to. And so in in the ministry, in the power of this, this is the year of the Lord's grace. It is accomplished because this is the kind of God I am. This is Jesus meeting the woman at the well and moving from that point forward. This is Jesus meeting her, go and sin no more, This is Jesus accomplishing a grace and a level of intimacy with her that moves way beyond any place she's ever been. And so what he's establishing here is a concept that we need to hang on to. And uh, we need to let it minister to our hearts. You have to be able to not only understand that you are concrete busters, but you are proclaimers of true freedom and better yet, restoration. You have been given the ministry of of restoration. The ministry, as it says in another part of the New Testament, reconciliation. You take enemies and you make them friends again. That's the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of restoration is you take what was given away, you bring it back. You give it back. And that child is restored. That man is restored. What Satan has tried to steal from him, God says, you can't keep it, I'm bringing it back. And so that's the ministry that you and I have in this Advent season. As we deal with people, as we look at the complexities. I think if you're like me, sometimes you're overwhelmed by all of the stuff and the complexities of what goes on in people's lives. And you, you step back and you don't even know where to start. And God begins to say, go bust up some concrete. Go make the proclamation over them. It doesn't matter how complicated it looks. This is nothing to me. So when you're looking at somebody's life, and I I sit there with these kids, and they got got parents that are just kind of going off the wall in different directions, and brothers in jail, and sisters over here, and everything else. I just go, Lord, I begin to proclaim the truth that you've come to set people free. And this family, I proclaim the truth over them, that they have been freed by the power of your word. And you can begin to break into hearts and open eyes and restore feeling and emotion, attitude, everything that has to be restored. You are more than able to accomplish what needs to be done in this place. You see, my faith is not in people. My faith is not in what you are able to do. My faith is what God is able to do in you or in me. Because that's the miracle of what he's talking about. I can bring into your life, into your circumstances, You know what's reminding me of? I have choir practice. Usually I leave my phone in the back office, I'm sorry. <clears throat> if we catch, if we catch what God is offering us, we have this ability to make such a difference in lives of people. We have such an ability that you have to step out and you begin to see the complexity is in the mess of people's lives around you. And you begin to call down the power of God over those people in those situations. You begin to proclaim freedom. You begin to declare over them. That's what it means to be a herald. That's what it means. Christ looked at my life and he proclaimed the truth. This man is mine. I have gone to the cross for him, and I am able to rescue even Bruce Harmon. And if I can rescue Bruce Harmon, I can rescue anyone. And I proclaim the truth, he has been set free by my blood. And I proclaim the truth that he is going to be my man. And I proclaim the truth that I can work in his life, even with the 150 different things he's done wrong, you know, major things that stand out. I am more than able to accomplish these things in his life. And that proclamation comes out over you and it begins to declare the truth and it begins to fight against the enemy and it begins to break, <clears throat> break apart the concrete. And then he turns around as he pours himself into you and he says, now you begin to proclaim it over your child. Begin to proclaim it over your marriage. Begin to proclaim it over your life. Begin to proclaim it over the kids that you teach or whatever other situations you're in the middle of. Because it's the declaration of the truth of God proclaimed over God's people and over the love that God has for them that you start entering into the holy places. You start entering into the heavenlies doing battle with things far beyond you can fully comprehend. What was hindering my daughter and I was not just myself. It was a heavenly battle being waged for my heart and hers. What was going on in our circumstance was not just that immediate moment But things have been set free and broken in the heavenlies. Do you understand in that moment, because of that moment of obedience and that proclamation of sorrow and repentance and everything else that came out of that, all things are changed. The direction she was walking in is new. You have this ability to proclaim and create a new path by the obedience that you demonstrate. You have the power within you through the Holy Spirit To begin shouting and speaking that truth over your children, over your family, over your own life. And as you do it, God will begin to to bring about the changes and the anointing and the work that is done. This is the year of the Lord. It is the year of Jubilee. It is what God has done for me. It is our Jubilee every day that we get to live in. And so as we enter into this Advent season, continue to grow expecting. What do you expect from God tonight? What do you really expect to leave with? Are you willing to let the expectation change you? I expect God to be God and me to be subject to Him. I expect God to do things that I can't comprehend. I expect God to ask me to do things that are outside my comfort zone. I expect God to do miracles beyond my comprehension and draw me into them so I can understand the work He is doing. I expect God to change the life of my family. I expect God to begin to work in my life in new ways. I expect God to take me to new places I haven't even considered. I expect God to use me in accordance with His will. You see, when you expect more and you begin to function more with it, you begin to allow God and the power of His Spirit to move you in new directions. If you set up your little bars and say, God, you can't come any closer than this, and this is my world, and I'll give you this much, you encapsulate yourself, And Christ goes, I have come to set prisoners free. And so tonight, you have been freed so that you can be freeing of people. You've been freed so that you can make a difference. So you are not subject to your own limitations. You are not subject to your history. You are not subject to where you've been yesterday. You're not subject to the limitations of your personality or your present skill level or your present attitude unless you slam that prison door shut on yourself, and Christ will come and tear that door wide open again, because that's what he came for, to proclaim you're free, and to send you off in that freedom. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, as you uh, speak the truth over our hearts that we have been freed, as you speak the truth that we uh, we have been made new creatures, as you speak the truth, Lord, that there is nothing that your spirit cannot change in my heart, in my life, in my family, in my world. There is nothing that you are not more than able to bring about and accomplish in everything around me. I begin to ask, Lord Jesus, and I proclaim the truth that you are the freedom giver. I proclaim the truth that you are the life. I proclaim the truth, Lord, that you have come to set us free. And I'm asking, Lord Jesus, in the moments of our lives, whenever we're feeling limited, wherever we're feeling that we've built ourselves into a corner, wherever we've put the walls and the bars in place and locked you out rather than allowed your spirit to bust those things open, I pray for freedom tonight in every area of my life, in everything that I'm doing. And I ask, Lord, in your mercy and your grace that you would accomplish great and powerful things this year. I proclaim the year of jubilee over these people. I proclaim the freedom that is in Christ over their hearts. I proclaim the binding and the power of God in the, in the power of Jesus Christ over anything that is hindering any of us from being set free. I proclaim the uprooting and the tearing down of walls and bars and fences that we've built up toward other people. I proclaim freedom for those people. I proclaim freedom for our hearts. I proclaim victory that we haven't even begun to know and understand. I proclaim healing over the people of God and proclaim in the power of Jesus Christ that we will experience the power of the Jubilee in our lives in a way that we can't begin to comprehend right at this moment. And so, Lord Jesus, I declare that in your name. I declare that by the power of your word and the faithfulness of your grace and mercy. I declare that, Lord, because you have come to set your people free, and I pray that to be true in all of our lives, in every way that we live. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing there and for what you have yet to do. We pray, Lord, mercy for our culture and our country. We ask, Lord... uh, uh, wisdom on the part of our leaders, from our president to our Congress and others. We pray, Lord, for courage to elect right people into positions of power. We pray, Lord, for the people of God to begin to stand up. We proclaim your truth over this nation. We proclaim healing for the wretchedness and the loss of this country and in this nation, Lord. And we ask that you would begin turning hearts in the directions they need to go. We pray, Lord, for the power of your spirit to begin working. We ask, Father, for healing for marriages and for those who are hurting, those who have been hindered physically, emotionally, or spiritually. We pray, Lord, that you would just restore children in their communication with their parents and parents with their children. We pray, Lord, that you would begin to put into us a new vision, a new understanding, and a new spirit, Lord Jesus. And so come and fill your people for those purposes. If there's anything else on your heart tonight that you feel led to pray about, please go ahead. Gracias. Father, I break off any spirit of depression that might creep over our lives. I break off, Lord, anything that would produce arrogance or pride. I break away, Lord. and Speak the truth and proclaim over anything that would hinder us from being new people. Come and fill this heart, this life, our families, with your presence and your love. Restore what we've given away, what Satan has ripped from us, what compromise, what lies and deceits, what foolishness and stubbornness has done in our marriages, in our children, and in our children's children. And restore us, Lord, to the fullness of what you want to do. Come and fill this place with your presence and your love, with forgiveness and joy. Help us to enter into the jubilee of your presence and your coming into our lives. Restore us, Lord. Open our eyes by the power of your Spirit. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. And all God's people say it. Amen. As we get ready to sing the last song, pray that you'd receive the blessing of the Lord.